0: Thank you The soccer 101 the show where we answer soccer's biggest and occasionally medium-sized questions on today's edition we're talking about match cancellations postponements and abandonments what reasons can a game be canned for according to the rule book what kind of circumstances have games not gone ahead in the past and which games were played that probably should have been 86 my name is ryan bailey joining me today hello taylor rockwell Hello, I feel like you you did a little bit of a Scottish
1: there with with your pronunciation of rulebook. Maybe that was just me, but I like to think it was when we talk about rules, you like to talk about I. Rulebook,
0: yeah. Is it because I rolled my r's, darling? That might be. That might could be. That might could that be. Might purple be. Be. We... rulebook. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us with his purple rulebook, Graham Ruthman. Hello, Ryan Bailey. Hello, and Joe Lowry.
2: Hello, sir. Hello, Ryan.
0: Hello, Joseph. We attack this question today on Soccer 101 because there's been a spate of games called off uh, as we record. Um, uh, The latest information we have is that five Premier League games have been called off in the week that we are recording. More coming, it seems. A good chance a lot of games won't happen in the near future on Plague Island, Graham. Fun times. (laughs) I'm going to not stop calling it Plague Island That's the way I feel. Why don't we get into uh, postponement of games or the cancelling of games. Joseph Lowry, it seems like something that's not necessarily codified across the board by FIFA or IFAB. What are the rules that you found specifically about the cancellation or postponement or abandonment? Of games.
2: It's a great question, Ryan. I spent some time earlier today digging through iFab and digging through a few other places, and I found a little bit on this topic about postponing or canceling or abandoning games, but not nearly as much as I thought it was. The, the one thing that I, I found, and I'll turn it over to some other folks to, to maybe fill in the gaps here, but the one thing that I really found was in iFab uh, Law 3. It says if a team has fewer than seven players, the game cannot go on or shouldn't go on. It shouldn't even start, right? And if that happens in the middle of a game, it should, it should not continue. So there is some, I don't know, there's some situations that are defined by IFAB and by the laws of the game. But by and large, it's hard to find a lot of specific rules here that say if this is happening, that means this cannot go on. For for example, the Premier League decides to, post go, to postpone games for COVID on a case-by-case basis, right? That's not something that's determined by FIFA or by IFAB, certainly with, with regards to COVID-19. And the Major League Soccer as another example, and this happens everywhere, but they choose to postpone games for weather on a case-by-case basis. So a lot of it is depending on the situation, depending on the governing body. So that's a lot of what I found, less grand overarching rules, not that they don't exist, but a lot more individual situational kind of stuff. Graham, I know you dived into maybe the Premier League a bit more. Mm -hmm. What did you find in regards to the rules here?
3: Yeah, so there, there wasn't much really in the Premier League rules either, uh, with the exception of there was quite a bit on weather and fan safety. So, um, as I say, there's, there's a section on the Premier League site where. Um, Mike Riley, who is the managing director of the PGMOL, explains the criteria for postponing a match due to the weather and that is probably the most common reason, certainly in England in the Premier League, for, for a match to be postponed. So a quote from Mike Riley is, there are two main considerations to make when conducting a pitch inspection and that would obviously be the first stage of assessing whether a match can take place due to the weather and he says, player safety and the match as a spectacle and then it goes on to consider um, fan safety as well. So even if the the pitch is deemed playable and Mike Riley goes on to talk about kind of the process of a, of a pitch inspection, I won't bore you with that, but it could well be the case that the, the the pitch is playable. The players can 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 play a match on it effectively um, without any fuss. But if the stands and most crucially the the area around the stadium is maybe too treacherous for fans to get to the ground safe uh, safely, then the match can also be postponed for that reason as well.
0: Uh, Graham, I think you've missed out the crucial one. If Sean Dyche is still wearing his shirt sleeves out there, it means <laughs> the game can usually go ahead as well, right? In bad weather. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, he he wears those short sleeve shirts in uh, minus temperatures, so maybe we shouldn't be using that as a, as a weather vane on whether matches should take place. Certainly not Kieran Tierney, who um, I think he would wear short sleeve t- shirts in the Arctic Circle.
0: <laughs> indeed uh, yeah I think I, I found much of the same things as you two gents about the rules uh, another one I did find was about racism though the, um, and games that can be called off for racist gestures uh, from the crowd or from the uh, playing uh, players or otherwise section 13 of the FIFA disciplinary code uh, which I think is a relatively recent update um, says that a match can be abandoned by a referee because of racist and or discriminatory conduct and it can be declared forfeited as well and I think an example we had of that in 2020 was PSG against mm. uh, Istanbul I don't know if you remember that one um, it was the Istanbul players who walked off when I think it was the fourth official was found um, to have made some discriminatory or racist comments and that one um, was abandoned Uh, at a certain point in the game and it was picked up again the next day with a new set of officials Um, yeah interesting one there so maybe we should um, move on and talk about the reasons for cancellations Hayler a big one, as we've touched on there, weather. Um, and before undersoil heating became prominent in the Premier League, that was a, you know, around this time of year. There'd be a lot of games um, where the, the field was too hard. And I think in, um, in MLS, Taylor, if, you, if you're a fan in Miami, for example, you've got to be ready for a lightning storm to cancel your game, right? Oh, yeah,
1: or just postpone it indefinitely. I When we were doing the commentary for the Kickers game, there was one that was pushed back like three and a half hours because of lightning, but they still played it because the opponent was there, and I do think that is a big consideration with weather. If there is, uh I was reading the same stuff about the Premier League, if there is that sort of fear that there will be weather, there's already protocols in place to start preparing for it just in case, I think, 48 hours before the game, and then you will get that sort of inspection of the pitch, but you will also get cancellation or postponement if there are concerns about fans safety and getting to the stadium and then even in the stadium i think there was a game at goodison park called off because the stadium had been impacted by the wind and i think parts of signage had fallen off and there were concerns about fan safety so it's not just the playing conditions you will get it if fans can't make it to the game or inclement weather prevents roads from functioning anything like that
3: do you guys feel that maybe an mls this is just kind of Purely off anecdotal evidence. But in MLS, when it comes to snow in particular, that maybe MLS um, is more willing to let matches play out, but I'm thinking of maybe a lot of the the snow games that are talked about, the snow, Mm -hmm. snow classicals and so on. And in the Premier League, there's just, there's just zero way those, in my opinion, those games would have been completed. Or am I talking That's because of the ball,
0: Graham. The ball's not good enough in the Premier League.
3: (laughs) That's true. Yeah. They need a better
1: uh, winter weather ball. Graham, I honestly don't know if you are correct or incorrect about that one, but I will say I wouldn't be surprised because with snow, you have less liability in the stadium And I think that would be the thing that I could see being the case for uh, American ownership groups, American interests would be we don't want to get sued if there's a lightning strike. So if there's lightning, we're canceling or postponing. But snow, snow just makes you cold. You'll be fine. So I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if there's more of a willingness to play through snow as opposed to lightning storms.
2: I'm just remembering that six-one Atlanta United win in Minnesota in that snow yeah. game. It was in their first seasons, both of them. That was that was wild. The orange ball was out, and Atlanta United were not backing down. That was that was a fun game for everyone except for Minnesota United fans.
0: Wasn't that like Atlanta's first away game or something? And that was I what think it was.
2: I Madness. think it was right. Just just bonkers. <laughs> welcome
0: to MLS (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, I think if you didn't play snow games then not much will get done in Minnesota at certain times of year Uh, as Joe mentioned there's also the reason for a a postponement is when a team is unable to field um, players due to too many red cards for example I found a couple of examples of this Uh, Sheffield United against West Brom in 2002 was abandoned uh, because um, it was uh, Sheffield United were reduced to six players Uh, Sheffield United had three sent off and then two injured they got a 10,000 Pound fine for that and West Brom got an automatic 3-0 win for that one Uh, I found a Brazil uh, lower league derby from 2018 between Vitoria and Bahia where there were seven red cards Uh, Vitoria's fifth um, red card caused the game to be abandoned but that was in the 81st minute two subs were sent off in that one as well and I also found a fifth-tier derby in Argentina between Claypool and Victoriano Arenas in 2011. The referee sent off all 22 players, as well as 14 other substitutes and coaches. That one, there was no one left for it to go ahead. So uh, that was uh, an example of that kind of thing happening. Um, some other reasons we have, uh, medical reasons, and um, not just COVID, but... um think back to the Euros in the summer we had Christian um, Eriksen collapsing on the field that one wasn't cancelled it was temporarily postponed and the, I think it was was it put on the Denmark players whether they wanted to play on or not Graham I think they decided they wanted to didn't they
3: yeah they, they were asked and I, I still have gripes about how that mm. played out with UEFA I, I, I still don't think those players should have been given that question and, and I can't believe that you know for anyone who who doesn't remember there was a very um apparent air of shock still in that stadium when that match kicked off again yeah. even after Eriksson, it became apparent he was he was okay and he was going to survive there was still that sense of shock and I can't believe that UEFA asked the Denmark players whether they wanted to play on but yes yeah. that is correct they were given the choice do you all feel like covid is maybe the only exception
1: for where like medical situations have been taken seriously and even then we're recording this mid-december 2021 omicron is spiking uh and it doesn't seem like it is it is still as seriously taken but i think a lot of times illness tends to be looked upon at least from my research historically as being an excuse rather than a thing to be taken seriously the one i would point to would be uh middlesbrough uh blackburn in 1997 24 hours before the game burrow Brian Robson, the then manager, was short short of the 16 fit players, and they did not have enough senior players to play that were required due to flu. Burrow were instead fined uh, 50,000 pounds, docked three points. They went on to be relegated by two points that season. So it seems like medical issues aren't always as respected, but I guess when there's a global pandemic, maybe slightly more so.
2: Yeah, and it makes me wonder almost, Taylor, if we can even get out of this pandemic, you think about maybe five or 10 years from now, mm-hmm. if things have returned to somewhat normalcy, I say that very hesitantly. I wonder if this whole time period that we're all living through right now will have an impact on proceedings in the future, right? I wonder if we'll start to take some of these things a bit more seriously, or if it will have the exact opposite effect and say, if we made it through the COVID-19 pandemic, yeah. then you know, what's, a, what's a little bit of flu? I don't know, but it is an interesting thought experiment.
0: Yeah, um, another reason for cancellation. Uh, something a little a little more serious. The safety issues. which I think Graham, you mentioned earlier a big example of that would be the Hillsborough disaster in April 1989, the FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest, at which there were 97 deaths and nearly 800 injury injuries due to overcrowding in uh, one of the stands there, which was at um, Sheffield Wednesday's Stadium, Hillsborough. Uh, on that day, the match actually played for five and a half minutes before the referee abandoned the game. Um, there were fans in the stand reportedly pleading with the goalkeeper, Bruce Grobler, Liverpool's goalkeeper, to get the referee's attention, which he did. Um, that match was abandoned. It was actually replayed uh, on the 7th of May, a few weeks later. Um, so, that one, yeah, a, a rather serious example of that kind of thing. But there are some um, other reasons for cancellations. Graham, for example, the Manchester United bomb scare. Do you remember that?
3: Yeah, and we're not talking about Phil Jones either. Um, In May 2016, we had a Premier League fixture (laughs) between Manchester United and Bournemouth called off 20 minutes before kick-off. Um, Old Trafford was evacuated due to a bomb being found in one of the bathrooms. However, this turned out to be a fake bomb uh, that had been left behind by a security company, a third-party security company, following a training exercise earlier in the week so something that obviously at the time was very concerning and very serious and i think the the police and manchester united um at that time probably deserve a lot of credit for acting as quickly as they did because they didn't know that it wasn't it wasn't real but in hindsight it turned into a little bit of a farce and there was a bit of an investigation as to how that had happened Indeed.
0: Wasn't there a game at Old Trafford, was it last season when the fans broke into the stadium and that got it cancelled as well, Graham? Am I remembering (laughs) that correctly?
3: Yeah, that's right. So that was in light of the the European Super League proposals, which that's obviously right. sparked pro, uh, protests across the Premier League at a number of different clubs. Manchester United fans were particularly aggrieved. Obviously, their club was involved in the in the Super League proposals. The relationship between the fans and the Glazer family, who own Manchester United, are um, pretty tense at the best of times. And so a lot of the protesters outside Manchester United, before a, a Premier League game against Liverpool last season, they managed to break into Old Trafford there were uh, there was a bit of an inquest into how that had happened apparently one of the one of the doors was just left open for them to walk straight through and that's how a number of I mean it was a good number you know tens of fans and um, possibly as many as 100 fans kind of in within the stadium bowl and on the pitch so yeah that would be another example involving Old Trafford
0: indeed we're going to take a quick break now when we come back we'll have a few more examples including the time a solar eclipse cancelled a game and a cheese show back soon
1: Today's episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN, who would like to remind you that every time you connect to an unencrypted network, be it at a cafe, a hotel, an airport, anywhere else, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data. And that means passwords, that means financial details, that means stuff you don't want anyone else to see. But when you use ExpressVPN, you are effectively using Hacker Kryptonite. It's the easiest and most effective way to protect your internet traffic and keep your identity private online. When you connect to a secure VPN server, your internet traffic goes through an encrypted tunnel that no one can see into. And that includes hackers, governments, or even your internet service provider. But what about super hackers, you might say? Hugh Jackman and Swordfish, we all know, the most realistic depiction of a hacker that there's ever been. Well, it would take a hacker and even a super hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. But it does not take that long to get it up and running. Uh, it is very easy to use ExpressVPN. You fire up the app, you click one button, and you get protected. It works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. And that is exactly how, say, Soccer 101 host Ryan Bailey uses his ExpressVPN subscription to uh, log in securely. But then he can still access stuff here in the United States because he has a U.S. IP address so he can then watch say games on Peacock or things like that. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash soccer. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash soccer. And you can get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash soccer. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's show.
0: Welcome back to Soccer 101. We are talking about game cancellations, postponements, and abandonments. And I'd like to take you, gents, back to 1999. It was a better time. Prince was singing songs about what would happen the next year and so on. And uh, Torquay United, they had a local derby against Plymouth Argyle. This one was postponed, gents, shortly before kickoff because of a solar eclipse I don't know if you remember this um, back in 99 there was a big solar eclipse I remember I was in Portugal for some reason watching this eclipse um, but the police feared they didn't have enough police officers to um, take care of both that match and the thousands of people who came to the south coast of England where apparently it was the best place to watch this total eclipse uh, the first one that there had been a total eclipse of the sun since 1927 so they cancelled the game literally with minutes to spare <laughs> and uh, replayed it uh, the following week that's a pretty amusing one. Joe, I'm looking at the running order here and you've got a cheese show in Somerset. I need to hear about this.
2: Oh, yes, Ryan. I'm so happy to be able to tell folks about this because I had not heard about this until earlier today. Take yourselves back to 2015, maybe a worse time than 1999, maybe a better time, Ryan. I, I don't think you should be the judge of that because I know you'll always say the 90s. But back in 2015... There's an FA Cup game between Froome Town and Chippenham Town. Uh, and so these are both non-league teams, or at least they were certainly at that time. And the game was scheduled for the weekend, right? This this FA Cup tie was scheduled for the weekend. And they had to move it to Friday because of the Froome Cheese and Agricultural Show. Which apparently, in that particular region, like is quite popular and draws tens of thousands <laughs> of people. And they were afraid that it was going to outdraw the the, the game and, and make some complications there, and, and generally not help anybody out in that situation. So, uh, I guess a lesson from this is cheese is important, and at times it's more important than soccer. You guys.
0: I mean, sure. Uh, Froom. <laughs> by the way, I'm going to be spending Christmas near there. Uh, Jensen Button, the F1 driver, is called the Froom Flyer. That's where he's from. Oh, fun fact it. for love you. Love it. There you go. Um, Taylor, I'm looking here. Yeah. UFOs. You're going to have to expand on that for me, please.
1: Yeah, I got you. Game was not uh, suspended or or, game was not postponed, but it was briefly suspended uh, in 1954 in a match between Fiorentina and Pistoese. Uh, I guess crosstown rivals play temporarily halted due to egg shaped objects floating in the sky that left a white snow like substance on the ground that evaporated after an hour. Numerous other sightings across Tuscany that day. You can find newspapers about this and they featured the photos of the players like pointing up at the sky. No photos of the actual objects as far as I could tell. Maybe one that looked like a blurry circle. I will say this. Uh, the official explanation suggests the phenomenon was caused by swamp gas from a weather balloon trapped in a thermal pocket reflected off the light of Venus. Just kidding. That's the explanation from Men in Black. The explanation that was actually offered <laughs> was that there were migrating spiders. There you go. Migrating spiders mean egg-shaped that's... things in the sky.
3: Is that better than UFOs? Oh, uh, it, I mean, so either,
1: either one is terrifying. I do understand the idea, because I think it's like certain spiders will migrate by spinning webs and then floating on that web, and I guess if you have enough of them doing that, it can reflect and look, I guess, like a UFO – I I would go so far as to say, like, we have had sort of, like, NASA recently just be like, yeah, UFOs are real, no big deal. So I do then wonder, like, (laughs) did did just a bunch of uh, aliens decide they wanted to hang out in the boot for a little while? And they did, and then they left, and now we have this legacy for Fiorentina v. Pistoese. Did the referees
0: just lie on the ground and say, did you ever look up at the stars? (laughs) uh, I hope so. I hope that's what they did. (laughs) And see some migrating spiders. That was another Men in Black reference for you there, Joe.
2: You're very welcome. Um, I have uh, seen the movie. Thank you very much, Ryan Bailey. Wow, you've seen
0: a movie. Amazing. We're breaking news here today. Um, (laughs) Graham, I come to you, sir, with news of Scottish referee strikes.
3: Yeah, so this is a, a slightly unusual one. And I couldn't find another case of this happening, although I'm I'm sure it must have happened somewhere else in in world football, but in 2010 there was a referee strike right across Scottish football it meant that only four uh, matches in the whole league pyramid went ahead one weekend due to referees striking over um, abuse they were facing from fans and managers and pundits and basically the referees claimed that the Scottish FA weren't doing enough to protect them. The relationship between the Scottish referees and the SFA didn't get much better when the SFA be drafted in replacement referees from around Europe to take charge of the matches uh, to ensure that Scottish football could get started again and it didn't really come to anything because uh, let me tell you referees still get abused by managers and fans in Scottish football <laughs> you've also, not just by me <laughs> I'm
0: sure Greg. you've also mentioned um, the Scotland um, uh, situation in Tallinn as well
3: yeah, th- this is a, this is a very famous instance in in Scottish football. So, Tallinn, nineteen ninety six, there were concerns over floodlights for a World Cup qualifier between Estonia and Scotland. This led to FIFA um, intervening and moving the game to a I think it was a three o'clock kickoff. It was was meant to be an evening kickoff. Estonia were really unhappy at this, largely due to the amount of TV revenue that they would lose from it being moved to earlier in the day. So they just didn't turn up for the match and this <laughs> saw Scotland kick off against nobody uh, and they aban- the match was abandoned after three seconds, the joke being that Scotland played uh, a team with nobody on the pitch and we still weren't able to score. Oh, bless you, Graham.
0: Wasn't there a, a like a Juventus game in the last few years where they all came out on the field and there was no opponent there? Maybe I'm misremembering the team,
3: but... Uh... We'll come I don't back. remember that but that might well be the case
0: I'm sure there was a modern game where the team all came out on the field and it was there was no reason for them to be there because maybe the other European opponent had not showed up I'll look into that a little more rather than ranting about it uh, there's one more I wanted to bring to the table though I mentioned the solar eclipser uh, turning out the lights in Torquay um, there was also a few games which were abandoned in the 90s because the lights literally went out the floodlights at the stadium this is something I mentioned on the Total Soccer Show in our most recent listener questions episode there was um some very suspicious uh, floodlight failures in the premier league in the 90s there were some far east betting syndicates who were responsible for it uh, under far eastern betting rules apparently if a match is abandoned after half time all bets stand on the score at the time when uh, when the match is abandoned so there was a spate of games where the floodlights went out in the second half when you know there, there was a there was one I was at Wimbledon against Arsenal uh, where the scores were level and the lights went out There's another one I was at in Derby where the same thing happened and uh, it all came out that it was some betting syndicates who literally broke into stadiums tampered with floodlights set like triggered remotes so they could turn off the floodlights remotely all like movie script stuff that happened uh, to get games abandoned in the 90s fun 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 right uh, less f- you might go ahead, go ahead. you might think it was betting syndicates I have it on good authority,
1: also migrating spiders. Little known fact. Migrating spiders, always the source of the problem.
0: Using neuralizers, perhaps? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. The flashy thing, if you will. <laughs> that's right Uh, why don't we uh, finish off this pod gents by perhaps discussing some games that did go ahead even though maybe they should have been cancelled the one that stands out from recent history in fact a couple weeks ago Benfica against Belenenses uh, last month which um, there was a Covid outbreak uh, among Belenenses players this is in the Portuguese Primera Uh, they kicked off the game against Benfica with nine players uh, including a reserve goalkeeper who was out on the field uh, they had 17 players and staff test positive for covid um, benfica was seven nil up at half time uh, and that game still went ahead and they um, in the second half they had um, a couple players dropped to the ground apparently injured until there was only six Belenenses players left on the field a walkover abandonment um, came along after that um, in terms of other games graham we've already mentioned it but the denmark finland game euro 2020 a good example of a game as you mentioned maybe they should have taken their time with that one.
3: Yeah, so I mentioned this one earlier, so I'll be, I'll be quick with this, but um, for anyone who can't remember, Christian Eriksen had a, a cardiac arrest on the pitch um, in the Euro 2020 match between Denmark and Finland. And at that time, there were very real concerns. Um, I don't think I'm going too far to to say there were concerns that Eriksen had, in fact, died on the pitch I think was the, was the worry um, and even after it became apparent that he had survived I think everyone on the pitch and in the stadium was still in shock yet UEFA decided that the match um, could continue a couple hours later they did give the choice to the Denmark players but going over old ground here I don't think that choice was very, very fair to ask them to make that choice
0: No and indeed another controversial very controversial choice uh, from uh, back in the annals of soccer time if you go back to the 1985 European Cup final um, a game that probably should almost certainly shouldn't have gone ahead it should have been cancelled the uh, European Cup Final of 1985 at the Heisel Stadium the Heisel disaster in Belgium this was a game between Liverpool and Juventus uh, there were 39 deaths at that game including an 11 year old child all but 7 of the victims were Italian uh, Juventus fans over 600 injuries here essentially what happened um, some crowd trouble Liverpool fans charged and breached defence to try and get to um, some Juventus fans who retreated. Uh, and were crushed when a wall collapsed uh, when they were trying to retreat. Um, as a result of that, all English teams were banned from European competition for six seasons until 1991. uh Fourteen Liverpool fans were found guilty of manslaughter. Uh, they all spent six years in prison for that one. Uh, and there's a very shocking and tragic event, of course, and this just uh four years before the Hillsborough disaster as well. Um before this, 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 this happened, though, before the game, this happened before the game and the match was played out in full, um, the the feeling being that um, uh, there'll be more trouble if it wasn't abandoned, there'll be more trouble in the city if they didn't go ahead with the game. So that one actually went ahead and Juventus uh, got a 1-0 win in that game in very tragic circumstances. Also slightly concerning Joe Lowry, but um, uh, more in more modern times, in 2017, uh, Bruce Dortmund against Monaco. Was this where there was the incident with the bus?
2: Yes, it was. This is the Bruce Dortmund's team bus being bombed that, uh, by uh, by bombs that were in the road. It was attacked on their way to the Westfalen Stadion in Dortmund, and that was leading up to the Champions League game against Monaco. It's, it's a, a knockout round game, the first of two legs. Multiple bombs exploded. Mark Bartra, one of the Dortmund players at the time, was injured in addition to at least one other person that was injured. And UEFA did postpone the game, but just by one day. One day to, to sort through all of that, and, and kind of getting to what Graham mentioned earlier with with the Christian Erickson situation, it's not the same, of course. It's It's different. But still, I can't even imagine trying to mentally recover from something like that in time to the point where you're fit to play the next day. It just one day does not feel like enough. Monaco went on to win that, that first game in that tie 3-2 the following day. And Thomas Tuchel, who was managing Dortmund at the time, was pretty upset that his team didn't have more time to recover. He said, we were never asked. We were informed by a te- text message that the UEFA had made a decision in Switzerland. It felt lousy, and that sticks with us. And so, that I mean, that's an incredibly challenging situation where the human element feels like wasn't properly considered
0: indeed so that's our soccer 101 on game cancellations postponements and abandonments a various uh, amount of reasons for why a game cannot go ahead maybe not the cheeriest topic on this podcast but an interesting one and a varied one all the same taylor rockwell thank you so much for your contributions on today's pod thank you as well my friend graham rutherland a pleasure as always sir thank you right and joe lowry thank you so much right back at you Listener, thank you kindly. We'll be back next week with another Soccer 101 for now. Goodbye.